Welcome listeners to our showcase section. I hope you're having a good day. My name is Louie and I'm here with today with Ronan, Harry and Oshie. Today we will be discussing weird laws currently in place throughout the world, followed by discussing our top 10 movies of all time. Speaking about weird laws, did you know that it is illegal to ride a cow drunk in Scotland? Seriously guys, you can actually be sent to jail for up to 51 weeks, or else fine £200 if you're recklessly riding a cow drunk in Scotland. I'm not making, up, not making it up. This law is in place to protect the welfare of the cow and to prevent any accidents from occurring. That's a bit odd, but understandable, I suppose. You think? Well, if you think that riding a cow drunk in Scotland is a weird law, in England it's illegal to shake a carpet or a rug in any street. However, you're allowed to beat or shake a doormat on the street before 8am. People who are caught shaking the dust off their front doormats have been warned that they could face arrest. Beating the dust off of rugs and carpets in the street in London has been illegal since 1839, and the law was never changed since back then. Wow, imagine being arrested for shaking your floor mat. Well, if you think that's odd, it gets better in the US. In one area, in the state of Virginia, you can't go trick-or-treating if you're over 14 years old. Also, if you trick-or-treat after 8pm, there you can also be fined $250. Wow, so I would have been dying 216 euro? That's crazy. Why do you think they have such a weird law? Well, there was actually a good reason for it originally. The law was brought in, the, brought in back in 1970, and originally offenders faced jail time rather than a fine. It was introduced after an especially violent Halloween where a city in the Hampton Roads region witnessed several violent and scary incidents, including people throwing firecrackers in, into trick-or-treaters' Halloween bags. So, there was a good reason for the law back in the day. That sounds pretty dangerous. But do the police really enforce it nowadays? No, not really. The police don't actually stop anyone who's over 14 from trick-or-treating, but, um, but the rule allows them to arrest anyone doing malicious things on Halloween. Wow, America really do have some weird laws in place, don't they? They really do. Here's another one from the States. In Skamania County, which is in Washington, they passed a law in 1969 deeming the slaying of Bigfoot to be a felony and punishable by five years in prison. Ah no, why would they make that law a law? Well, they believe that Bigfoot is real and that very little humans saw this species, so they decided to make it a law not to kill Bigfoot because it is an endangered species. Okay, <clears throat> well looking over to the east now, in Saudi Arabia, you are not allowed to celebrate birthdays or religious festivals. In fact, all Christian feasts and even most Muslim feasts are prohibited because they are considered alien customs that the Saudi clerics don't sanction. So no birthdays, no birthday wish list for us. For us. That's pretty crazy, all right. Saudi is a pretty strict area. Did you know that swearing in public is punishable by, punishable by law there? You can be put in prison for up to one year and be fined 10,000 dirhams. And it gets even worse than that. Swearing online is also not allowed. So you cannot use the swear word in WhatsApp, conversations on Facebook, on Twitter, or on any social media because it violates the United Arab Emirates cyber laws. That's crazy. One year in prison and a fine for swearing online? How much does that fine work out at in euros? A lot, actually. A fine of 10,000 dirhams is worth nearly 2,500 euro. Well, it's one way to keep the conversation civilised, I suppose. In the mysterious North Korea, they've declared the wearing of blue jeans illegal because it symbolises American imperialism, which the East Asian nation in terms as its enemy. But hey, if you couldn't wear blue jeans, would it really make a difference to our quality of life? I don't know. It seems pretty stupid to me. Like, a simple piece of clothing can't really influence the people of North Korea, right? Well, the government must think so, because they're not allowed to wear any foreign clothes. Also, I was reading that in another attempt to restrict Western influence on its people, North Korea also bans piercings, but the school would love this one. 
They've issued strict guidelines for choosing a hairstyle in North Korea. I can see that weird law catching on in some quarters, actually. All of these unusual laws exist to prevent American influence on the people of North Korea. Well, that's one country I wouldn't want to visit anytime soon. So it's a good thing we're not actually allowed in North Korea. Totally. Nearby in China, the State Administration for Religious Affairs issued a decree that all the reincarnations of Buddhist monks from Tibet must get government approval, otherwise they are illegal or invalid. That's a new law that came in after we, we were all born in 2007. That's a joke. The Chinese government can't possibly believe that they can control reincarnation. We don't even know if reincarnation is real or not. I know, and the reincarnation applications have to be submitted to not one but four government bodies for approval. Talk about control. But why did China make this a law? Like, why do they care about the monks? Apparently they are trying to limit the power of the Dalai Lama, as most people know the Dalai Lama is Tibet's spiritual and political leader, who's been living in exile in India. He's 72 now, and he will not be allowed to reincarnate without approval from the Chinese state authorities. But always a step ahead, the Dalai Lama has said he won't be reborn in any place that's under China's control, which will make it rather difficult for Chinese authorities to locate a successor. All that fuss, and it might never happen. I know, that is one really weird law. Okay, back to the real world now. If you're heading off on your holidays to Tunisia, you might want to rethink your hand luggage before packing a pencil for writing or drawing. Why? Because for some bizarre reason, pencils are banned in Tunisia. And before you ask why, nobody is actually 100% sure or ha- about how the law came about. That is so random. That's for sure. About 20 years ago, Japan banned human cloning, where researchers are allowed to study embryonic stem cells that are not produced by cloning. I'm a bit lost, Louis. What, what does this mean? It means the researchers who attempt to produce clones of human beings will be subject to a fine or imprisonment. Okay, sort of makes sense, surely. Maybe. Japan has some laws that are crazy, through. crazy though. In 2008, the Japanese government introduced the Metabo Law. Now, there's a hint in the word Metabo if you think about it. The law stipulates that men and women between the ages of 40 and 74 have to go get their waist conference measured every year and keep it within a strict limit. Ah, stop. I'm serious. Men have to keep their waist below 33 and a half inches, while women have to, have to stay under 35.4 inches. Now that is random. You said it, but why does Japan have such a law? It's to prevent the Japanese population from getting overweight, and it works too, because Japan has one of the lowest rates of obesity in the world. Here's a fun fact. In Arizona, it's against the law to have a sleeping donkey in your bathtub after 7 o'clock at night. Sorry, what? Why? Where? In Arizona, you can't have a sleeping donkey in your bath after 7pm because back in 1924, a merchant used to allow his donkey to sleep in his bathtub. But then the town flooded after a local dam broke and the donkey was washed a mile down the valley. Now the donkey survived thankfully, but the local spent a lot of time and manpower to save the animal. And so, because of all the fuss, this new law was passed shortly after, and is still actually in place nearly a thousand years later. Well, we said it already, but there's some crazy stuff going on in America. It gets better. In Ohio, it's illegal to walk backwards while eating a donut. What? There have been hundreds of incidents of people falling over while walking backwards eating a donut, and this sometimes causes choking, so now it's illegal in Ohio. Many of these choking victims require emergency services. Studies have shown that it is more likely to happen if you are also carrying a coffee. I don't understand why they would make that a law though. If you spill coffee on yourself, that's your fault. 
Health and safety, my friend. But if you think that's a weird law, in Virginia, it's illegal to hunt or kill any wild bird or wild animal, including any nu nuisance species. On Sundays, however, it is permissible to kill raccoons. I wonder why it's only on Sundays. When Singapore became independent in 1965, it was a tiny country with few resources. So Lee, the country's first prime minister, came up with a survival plan. This relied on making the city a first world oasis in a third world religion. But what does this have to do with the gum ban? Gum ban. Well, soon enough, Singapore was overtaking other developed countries in terms of its cleanliness, clipped lawns and very efficient transport system. Lee, who was educated in Cambridge, was aiming for perfection. So, sticking the remains of gum in every place was viewed by the authorities as an attack on Singapore's ambition to be perfect. Oh, okay. So they wanted Singapore to remain very clean. Talking about places wanting to be clean, in Alabama, it's illegal to possess, make, sell, give away, or throw any confetti. This law is a code featured in the section of littering. Therefore, in Mobile, Alabama, it's illegal to possess, make, sell, give away, or throw any non-biodegradable confetti. Why is that? Because it helps to keep the area clean and avoiding damage damaging animals and damaging their environment oh well i guess that is actually understandable but i don't understand why they just chose confetti out of any plastics why not ban them all well in sri lanka you're not allowed to take a selfie with the buddha why is that well it is considered disrespectful to turn your back on any buddha statue so you can take a picture but you just have to make sure that you're facing the statue there's some weird laws much closer to home too guys it is technically illegal to go to the cinema in Northern Ireland on Sunday. The cinema order was enacted in 1991 in line with the observation of the Sabbath. According to this law, people can be fined £50 for going to see the latest movie. Do they enforce it up north? No, nah, not really. Well, talking about movies, I think it's time to round up our favourite movies of all time from the different genres. Let me and Ronan take a deep dive into it. So, Ronan, will you get us started? For sure. So, at number 10... Our favourite war film, we have got Saving Private Ryan. The brainchild of writer Robert Redapp and directed by Steven Spielberg, it was destined for success from the start. Saving Private Ryan was a 1998 American epic war film. It, is, it was set during the invasion of Normandy in World War II. The film is known for its graphic portrayal of war, especially its depiction of the Omaha Beach assaults during the Normandy landings. Saving Private Ryan follows United States Army's Rangers Captain John Miller, played by Tom Hanks, and his squad as they search for a paratrooper, Private James Francis Ryan, who's played by Matt Damon, the last surviving brother of four, um, with the three other brothers having been killed in action. I wonder how much it made. Well, Ronan, I have it written down here somewhere. Oh yeah, it grossed $482 million and cost $70 million to produce. Pretty impressive, if you ask me. Wow, that's impressive. Why is it your favourite war film, Ron? Well, I really loved the storyline and how it was a different war film to most because it focused on sacrificing their lives for one man because of orders. I felt that the opening scene really showed how gruesome and horrifying war was. It really felt like the bu bullets were hitting me. The music matched well with each scene. What do you think, Oshie? Yes, I agree. I loved how it was very emotional at the end and I loved the way at the, bin at the beginning of the movie when they heard that they all had to save one soldier and risk their lives, they all thought it was absurd and they were very angry when they lost men looking for Private Ryan. But towards the end, they all came together and made sure the men they lost was for a reason. And it was all 
great the way they all gave their lives to save one man. Okay, let's keep going. Our number nine is Blood Diamond, our favourite political thriller. Blood Diamond is a 2006 American political thriller. It was co-produced and directed by Edward Zwick and stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Connelly and Dijmar Honshu. The title refers to Blood Diamonds, which are diamonds mined in war zones and sold to finance conflicts, so therefore profit warlords and diamond companies across the world. It is set during the Sierra Leone Civil War during 1991-2002. The film shows a country torn apart by the struggle between government loyalists and rebels. It also portrays many of the atrocities of that war, including the rebels' amputation of civilians' hands, to discourage them from voting in upcoming elections. Wow, I never knew that. The movie is about two men, a white South African mercenary called Archer, and is played by Leonardo and a black Mendy fisherman called Vandy, who become joined in a common quest to recover a rare gem that has the power to transform their lives. With the help of an American journalist, the men embark on a hazardous trek through rebel territory to achieve their goal. It provided me with a great insight into Sierra Leone's civil war and the brutality of all civil wars. It taught me about a subject I knew nothing about before watching the film. Yeah, it is a great movie with a story that was based on true events. It was good at showing the lengths people would go to to get a diamond. This movie is not all about violence like a lot of movies. Here the main focus is diamonds. During the film, Archer, the mercenary, reclaims his soul. It shows the process by which boys are kidnapped and then made into mindless soldiers, fighting for a cause they don't even understand. The movie was great at showing the horror of the Civil War in Sierra Leone. I also enjoyed the acting performances from Leonardo DiCaprio and Jimon Hutsu. I felt that they played their characters really well. Yeah, I loved the ending because it was very emotional and nice to see that Vandy finally got to be with his family again and sell the diamond. Yeah, I agree with you there. Now on to number 8, The Conjuring, which is our favourite horror film. The Conjuring is a 2013 American supernatural horror film directed by James Wan and written by Chad Hayes and Kerry Hayes. It is based on true case files of the Warrens. Ed and Lorraine Warren are paranormal investigators who come to the assistance of the Perrin family who experienced increasingly disturbing events in their farmhouse in Rhode Island in 1971. How much did this film make again, Oshin? It made around $320 million around. Oh yeah, that's right. So why is this your favourite horror film? This movie just properly scared me, so that's why. It was genuinely very scary with a lot of jump scares and surprises. The film was very unpredictable because I did not know what was going to happen next. The music is haunting and it fitted really well. What about you? Well, I liked the way the story took time to unfold, but it didn't get dull. There was a lot of tension, suspense and dread. Believe it or not, it made my palms sweat and my heart pound. The tension and suspense kept on building up as we found out more about the horrors that happened in the house. Another thing I loved about the movie was the setting it took place in. I think it was a very eerie and haunting place to bring more horror to the story. Okay, so now let's move on to number 7 which is our favourite drama film and it is Braveheart. This is a 1995 historical drama film directed and co-produced by Mel Gibson who acts as Sir William Wallace, a late 13th century Scottish warrior. The film shows the life of Wallace, leading the Scots in the First War of Scottish Independence 
against King Edward I of England. When the nominations were announced for the 68th Academy Awards, Braveheart received 10 Academy Award nominations, and a month later won 5 of them. This tells you enough about how good this movie really is. Yeah, I fully agree with you there, Ronan. I like the way this movie is reminiscent of Ireland's history because the English colonised us, and this is a movie about fighting the English colonisers. This movie is also about rebellion, and there were a lot of rebellions in Ireland against the English. I like the way this movie was realistic because it is a very emotional and sad movie, and it doesn't have any fairy tale ending. It is grim, and one of the main themes from this movie that I really enjoyed was revenge. What did you like most about the movie yourself? Well, I've got to say, I love how inspirational and motivational it was. I think the action scenes were shot great, and it felt like I was there in the battle with them. I enjoyed the humour in the movie as well. I enjoyed it as a story about an oppressed people revolting against their masters. It was a brutal but epic masterpiece. And did you know, many scenes were filmed here in Ireland. In fact, thousands of Irish horses and regular people had parts as extras. And the big battle scenes? They were filmed in the Cur of Kildare. I didn't know that, Ronan. Impressive, but enough about Braveheart. Time to talk about number 6, which is our favourite crime thriller, Seven. Seven is a 1995 American neo-noir psychological crime thriller directed by David Fincher and written by Andrew Kevin Walker. It stars Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwent, Paltrow and Kevin Spacey. The film tells the story of David Mills, David Mills, a detective who partners with the retiring William Somerset to track down a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as a motive in his murders. It's just a great movie. Seven really is an amazing movie. It is so grim and disturbing, but it's also very intelligent. Its beautiful, dark cinematography and dazzling landscapes really do add to the atmosphere. Do they show the murders? No, very little of the murders are shown, but we are appalled and shocked by what we hear and see of them. Was there a lot of tension in this movie? Yeah, the, a the action was very tense, and the ending was especially tense with a lot of suspense. The ending of, the mo of this movie has got to be one of the best I've ever seen because we know what's in the box but they don't actually show us yeah i feel like i feel that the plot was really smart because it was about a vicious serial killer who murders his victims in a gruesome way because of the seven deadly sins that he feels they've committed was the acting good the acting was superb morgan freeman gave a brilliant performance as the disillusioned detective and brad pitt is great as mills a young short-tempered detective I think Kevin Spacey was very chilling as John Doe, and really made it clear he was a psychopath. <clears throat> now, Ushi. A film that made me laugh a lot was Central Intelligence. Produce, produced and directed by Russian Marshall Thurber in 2016, it follows two old high school friends, played by the ever-funny Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson. The friends end up on the run from the CIA, but of course, everything works out in the end. Yeah, it really was a hilarious movie. My favourite scene was when The Rock pretended to be Kevin Hart's marriage counselling therapist and Kevin's wife, who was played by Danielle Nicolet, had no idea who he was and why Kevin was so annoyed and angry at the therapist. Oh yeah, that scene really was amazing. I think we can all agree that The Rock and Kevin Hart make an incredible duo. They're ridiculously funny interactions, along with all the effort put in by people who worked on the movie managed to amass $217 million in gross, 
an incredible figure when considering the movie had a $50 million budget. Maybe you guys liked it, but did anyone else? Well, having won three awards and with a solid 71% score on Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's a great film to watch when in need of a laugh. And with a PG-13 rating, you can enjoy it during family movie night too. Moving on to Inception Ocean, a complicated tale, but presented so understandably by the great Christopher Nolan. It also had famous names, such as Leonardo DiCaprio and Irish actor Killian Murphy. The movie follows Mr. Cobb, played by DiCaprio, who is a master of stealing, of stealing thoughts. He is then offered a dangerous task to plant a thought in someone's mind with a life-saving reward. The movie follows Mr. Cobb on this dangerous journey. This sci-fi film was actually released all the way back in 2010, so it isn't ultra-modern. However, some scenes really are incredible. My favourite scene was the Paris Café scene. Mr. Cobb was talking to a friend who was sceptical of dream creation. Then it was revealed that it was all a dream and the street exploded with crazy action. They managed to create this effect using air cannons and slow-mo cameras. It's a very unique type of film, action mixed with sci-fi and it has a strange intellectual twist. (laughs) It's a very unique type of film. Action mixed with sci-fi, and it has a strange intellectual twist. It can be difficult to understand at times, but I think that letting it overwhelm you, overwhelm you is also just part of the fun. Now, one of our favourite blockbusters happens to be another incredible film from Christopher Nolan. The Dark Knight was released all the way back in July of 2008. The film, of course, features Batman, the anonymous hero, ready to save Gotham at all costs. The only person standing in his way? The Joker, of course. We're sure you're all very familiar with this film, and the characters, as it was a huge success, reeling in over $1 billion in box office, an incredible figure for 2008. Part of the reason for this huge success was everyone just loved seeing their favourite comic book figure come to life on the cinema screen. It also wasn't just another superhero movie, it focused on the real personal lives of the hero and those surrounding him. It really did, but it, it still stuck to the classic superhero thread by being jam-packed full of action from beginning to the end. We're actually watching it in our English class at the moment as part of our film studies and the other day I saw one of the best scenes. Really? What what scene was that? I'm talking about the Joker's social experiment to prove that Gotham and its citizens are as evil as him. He rigs two boats to blow and gives the detonator to the other boat. Then the citizens have 30 minutes to decide whether to blow the other boat and save themselves or not. Wow, what happened? Well, it actually had the opposite effect of what was intended. None of the boats blew. It proved that Gotham was a good city with good people. Phew, that's a relief. What What did you think about the movie overall? Yeah, it was excellent. I can't really think of anything to criticise about it. I'd say 10 out of 10. Well, many others agree with you. It has a 94% score on Rotten Tomatoes and holds an unbelievable 30 awards. Wow. But you know another film that was equally as jam-packed with action as The Dark Knight? Yep, I'm talking about Gladiator. Ah yeah. This film was produced in 2000, at the start of the new millennium, which covers the oldest part of history too. The film obviously focuses on gladiators and the Roman Empire. Directed by Ridley Scott, it's it's a historic masterpiece. For sure, the film focuses on one man as he goes from general to slave to champion. The movie is a very exciting featuring... The movie is very exciting, featuring betrayal, vengeance, and raw anger. What's the plot of the movie, though? Maximus, 
played by Russell Crowe, was one of the best generals of the Roman army set to become emperor. But the emperor's son gets jealous, kills the general's family, and sells them into slavery. Then we follow Maximus as he makes his way from the bottom back up to the top. Wow, that sure sounds like a tale with a lot of twists. Not surprising that it managed to rake in over $400 million as well as 30 awards, which, adjusting for inflation, means Gladio made in excess of $775 million. Impressive stats there, Ronan. Finally, our favourite TV series, and I'm sure you've heard about it a lot in the last few months. We're, of course, talking about Squid Game. Yeah, it took the world by storm all of a sudden. An elaborate drama in which contestants risk death for cash. These high-risk, high-reward scenarios are always very interesting for spectators, and they attract a lot of viewers. Because, you know, something big is going to go down, no matter what. Yeah, it seems developer Huang Dong-Hu managed to capitalise on that, as it's broke Netflix's record for most-watched series within 23 days of release. Wait, seriously? How many viewers is that? That's more than 140 million households, and that's not even counting the numbers who watch it through other websites and streaming platforms. Yeah, and those numbers are adding up for Netflix too. The platform has reportedly gained $891 million so far off the show, and lots of new subscribers too. And did you know, Netflix only paid $21 million to get the show. Wow, what an amazing profit for them. That is crazy figures. The power of the high-risk, high-reward form of movie even managed to break the language barrier. People from across the world were drawn to it and still watched it using captions. The show's success also resulted in many different trends on TikTok, in gaming, and even as a popular Halloween costume. The the series really brought us on a fantastic adventure, and the characters in the series were all so diverse and they all had different interesting characteristics. Yeah, I totally agree with you there, Oshie. Who was your favourite character? Well, there's many to choose from, but if I had to choose one, I'd probably choose Ali. He was so honest and sincere and didn't deserve to be thrown under the bus like he was. I must agree too. Ali was immense and so likeable. I also really liked Ali as he saved the pr- protagonist, Seong Ki-hoon, during the first game in dramatic fashion by holding him from falling requiring incredible strength. Yeah, that was super impressive. Well, that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. In summary, we had Inception, our favourite sci-fi film for its challenging nature in understanding the plot. We presented our award for best war film to Saving Private Ryan due to its graphical betrayal of war. We also thought that Gladiator deserves a mention as an amazing action movie with multiple twists, as well as being historically accurate. We had to get a superhero movie in here, and so we gave The Dark Knight the title of Best Blockbuster. A great opportunity to see the DC Comics come to life on screen. We all agreed that Braveheart had to take the number one spot for our best drama, as it was very inspirational. We were all on the same wavelength with Seven, being the best crime thriller of all time, because of its dark storyline and its exciting action scenes. And we had to choose Blood Diamond as our favourite political thriller because of its high intensity action scenes and its exhilarating landscape. Nothing is scarier than The Conjurer. It makes you jump out of your seat and it really does make your palms sweat. I notice a lot of your top 10 movies star Leonardo DiCaprio. Do you know what he's working on now? I don't know. I know he's at the COP26 summit the other day. That's a wrap on our showcase for today, everybody. From me, Ronan, Harry and Oshin, thank you all for listening and we hope you enjoyed the show. Bye. Bye.